0: The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: This podcast contains explicit language.
2: Hey, everybody. Are you looking to reach out and connect and forge a bond with the people who run So That Happened, the famous podcast about stuff that happened in the past? Well, just send us an email to Happened at huffingtonpost.com. Send us your comments, your questions, your suggestions. Do not send us your dick pics. And now, back to the show. Remember, no dick pics. So that happened. This week, the Republican-led House Agriculture Committee began what they termed as a top-to-bottom review of the federal food stamp program. In a surprising twist, the committee's new management has struck a soft and empathetic tone toward a government program they'd previously demonized. We'll talk about this sudden change in disposition. Meanwhile... President Barack Obama and Senator Elizabeth Warren are teaming up on a plan to bring more security to retirees by making it harder for fly-by-night financial advisors to screw their clients for their own personal gain. But why did dozens of Democrats sign a letter opposing this idea? We tried to find out. Finally, the 2016 Invisible Primary continues. And the big winner this week, we are told, is Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker we'll explain why so many people are telling us that. And we'll also remind you that it is February of 2015, because sometimes it seems that we forget that. I'm Jason Lincolns, with Huffington Post reporters Zach Carter and Arthur Delaney. God knows Fox News' Bill O'Reilly would probably tell you that he was here, too, because there's no control in that weirdo. But here's what happened first. Good part of whatever day you're listening to this be it Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever. This so that happened. The show about things that happened. I'm Jason Lincolns. Today we have our usual crew. Introduce yourself.
1: I'm Arthur Delaney.
2: That's Arthur Delaney, guys. And over here...
1: I'm Zach Carter.
2: That's Zach Carter. It's all working.
1: We're all with the Huffington Post, and we're happy to be with you right yeah. now.
3: Thank you for listening.
2: What a great week for Washington, D.C., because early in the week, we were greeted... By the conquering heroes known as Slater Kinney, played it's true two shows at the Nine Thirty Club at the full height of their powers, and like after that, we got legal weed. I think the latter <laughs> development I'll, I'll, was way all more. I, all I'm saying is swish swish. Okay? I feel like
1: Slater Kinney kind of got robbed on that one. You know, they they came to like it was like the last square show they're gonna they're gonna play in the city. You know. The le- what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, next oh, time. Oh, right. Next Everybody's going to be high. Yeah, you're right.
2: We'll <laughs> all want to hear songs off the woods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because because we'll be so you, uh,
1: right. doped up.
2: It'll be important. And, and also happening at the same time in this city, uh, as we've legalized weed. Snow. Well, snow, yeah.
1: Snow. <laughs> I love it when it snows. Okay, My dog well, is so happy.
2: We're talking now about actual snow.
1: Yeah, uh, not like cocaine.
2: Not about cocaine. But CPAC is here
3: the conservative political action conference
2: right those guys are going to be so high
3: <laughs> they're be- actually the conference is taking place at the uh the Inner Harbor in Baltimore
1: so they well, better not
3: wait it's taking place in Baltimore
1: or, or the National Harbor, which is in Maryland, it's 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 yeah, not a in nas- Baltimore.
3: The National yeah. harbor. Oh, I'm sorry, my bad. It's on the way to Baltimore. Yeah,
1: it's you, it's a place it's, where it's, it's
3: it's across the Potomac from Alexandria. Yeah, there's a shopping center there. Yeah, gambling now. At,
1: okay, so not not the Inner <laughs> Harbor where I,
3: I'm I'm where,
1: sorry. It's okay. There's, there's two Maryland harbors that Dude, people...
3: Liberal media on. screws up facts. Who cares? We're not a geography podcast. No one comes to us looking for latitudes and longitudes. I can, I can just imagine the Federalists taking us down <laughs> for getting geography
1: wrong. Sorry, Molly Hemingway. Sorry. Once again,
3: <laughs> you know, media ignorance once again. <laughs> uh. It's
2: all, you know, Baltimore. You, you
3: haven't lived till you've stood in for the left with a capital L for, like, an errant tweet or a geography mistake. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's great. pretty great. Anyway, ma- marijuana legal, big deal. End of uh, extremely racist regime of police harassing black people. It has been well documented who is affected by marijuana criminalization. Amazingly, Republicans in the House... Decided to like threaten the city because, like, it's not legal, you can't do it. We're gonna throw your mayor in jail. This is what Republican from Utah actually said.
1: Uh, but they did not actually move, uh, in, in Congress on anything, right? They could have challenged the law formally, but they chose not to, right? They
3: don't have the guts. Do
2: you know what kind of folk hero Muriel Bowser would have become if she'd been thrown in jail? It'd been incredible because yeah. I, I sort of got the impression among what when the election happened, that people were sort of just kind of okay with Muriel Bowser.
1: She's the mayor of, of she Washington, D.C. She's
2: the a, she's a current mayor of Washington, D.C. Uh, and I think that, like, it's not as if people were swarming to the battlements for Muriel Bowser. It was more as if, okay, well, she's the Democratic nominee and this is Washington, D.C. Throwing her in jail would have turned in, her into a folk hero. And, and it, the best possible thing that ever happened. It would, would have been a
1: disaster for the Republican Party, too, because you, you have a city that has a long history of uh, racial tension with uh, with the white predominantly white Congress uh, in the city that for a long time was majority African-American. Um, throwing the black mayor in jail because a bunch of white Republicans wanted to uh, tread on D.C.'s not quite state rights, but, uh, you know, at least least local political rights, uh, I, th- I think would have been a complete disaster for Republicans.
3: No, they, they – uh, they, Republican leaders like John Boehner, they don't want to talk about this. They think it's a waste of time. They're going to let Jason Chaffetz of Utah, who made the prison threat, he's blowing off steam, and they don't have the guts – to deal with it, because you know they know voters, the tide has turned on support for legal marijuana. So I thought it was great entertainment for them to spice up our legalization with uh, with idle threats. <laughs> and it's a wonderful thing oh. that a harmless plant has been made
2: legal. Did add some hot sauce to the bouillabaisse base that is Washington D.C. Yeah,
3: the mumbo sauce. The mumbo you sauce.
2: Might say
1: yes, absolutely. I got to figure out how to buy weed now. Is is it, like, in stores now? Yes. You just walk into any Chipotle. You got to get a doctor to
3: say your
2: back hurts. Literally, literally. And I'm standing in for the left when I convey these facts to everyone. You can walk into any Chipotle in the district and get weed right now. It's awesome.
3: Oh, CC Molly Hemingway. (laughs) Media ignorance. No, you need a doctor's note, and then you can buy it, and you can can choose what variety of marijuana you want. Do you want a sativa, an indica? I don't know. <laughs> but if you bought it illegally, while that uh, purchase was illegal, it's legal for you to to have it, to mm-hmm. smoke it. You can grow it in your house. You can smoke it in your house. You can't smoke it on your porch. And I really wouldn't tempt the police because that is the one thing that, you know, that what, I can, the only thing that should be illegal is the
2: jam band music that naturally flows from these circumstances.
3: I heartily
2: yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely ban jam bands. But, uh, but, uh, but in addition, I mean, the – even for people who don't care about smoking weed who like don't want to go out and smoke it, and even for people who don't like it when other people smoke weed, um, there is a significant like criminal justice uh, you know advantage to this If you talk to prosecutors around d c they will say all the time they're having to deal with cases where somebody got beat up by police officers or there's there's some you know trespassing charge or something where someone was clearly just getting harassed by cops and they found some weed on them, and that justified the arrest and, and the treatment and so this this actually does change the relationship between the police and disproportionately people of color in the city and for for the better, I think. And it it stops our courts from being jammed up with pointless cases, uh, throwing people in jail for for no reason.
2: it stops a lot of people from being forced onto a track where they become uh, more financially, preyed upon financially. Once you end up in the system, it could cost you down the line in, in numerous ways. And let's keep with that idea and let's talk about uh, this week in Food Stamps
3: news. Oh, Shall it, we? It, it's been a big week. The Republican Party has decided to take another go at Food Stamps. They fought over Food okay, Stamps. Now
2: what do you mean by take another go at Food Stamps? That they, they're hungry and they don't have a lot of money and they're going to run out with Food Stamps and buy some food? What is that? <laughs> they're, or they're
3: going to go at it with knives, carve gonna, it up. They want Food Stamp reform. They uh, that's This is their white whale. It's like welfare reform, which is such a a rallying cry.
2: Okay, so what are they doing to uh, eliminate the high rate of food insecurity in America? Because that's how I'd reform it. I'd go to the source make sure people... They're
3: not doing anything about that.
1: Oh, okay, well... (laughs) (laughs) But hey, I mean, Republicans have been saying for a long time, I mean, it's not just in Congress, it's also, you know, Fox News has done stuff on, you know, the food stamp surfer, they've they've sort of attacked people who are on food stamps as lazy, they attack them for what they buy. buy, Here's the deal. What's going on?
3: They fought over food stamps for two years, and last year passed food stamp reform as part of a farm bill. They had overreached. Eric Cantor blew it, and they tried to get deeper cuts than the Congress could bear because there are too many moderate votes. They wound up with not so big changes to the program. They got a new chairman of the committee that oversees food stamps. His hey, name is Mike that? Conaway, Republican from Texas, uh, who was with the Cantor Camp, the big overreachers, mm-hmm. during that Farm Bill debate. But now has said, we we're going to do this again, but we're going to be nice. And he's taken a completely different tone. On the issue of food stamps, he said, we don't want to come at this with any preconceived uh, biases against food stamps. He had a hearing on Wednesday where they had a liberal guy talk, Bob Greenstein from the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, you know, the the vanguard of the left. Mm -hmm. And the only uh, other witness was uh, a professor from the University of Maryland who, who only modestly criticized food stamps. And he made a great point, which is true which was that food stamps and other safety net programs the federal government has created since the 60s eradicated starvation in America.
1: We have food insecurity now. We don't have no one starving. Uh, it's, you just have malnutrition and, and worries that you you might not get enough. Well,
3: it's just the, it's an important <laughs> thing to remember when they talk about the war on poverty being a failure uh, when in the 1960s, you would be carrying starved children to the hospital. Right. And they'd be refused treatment because they were black. And uh, we don't have that situation anymore. We have uh, the issues Zach mentioned. We have malnutrition. We have food insecurity. These aren't nearly as bad as what what there was before. So So it's an income maintenance program.
2: This sounds like a change from operating from a deck of – ideological flashcards to an attempt to forge a robust and real connection.
3: Well, that's the thing. Are are those flash, are those cards up the sleeve? And I think many people suspect that they are at the hearing where Mike Conaway was being so nice and other Republicans struck a moderate tone. There was still a guy, uh, a freshman or sophomore member who said, well, you know, my constituents see this people, you, you know, buying steak and lobster at the grocery store with the food stamp card. Do they, though? Do yeah, they? Yeah, I think that does happen a little bit. Okay. And, and uh, but it- it's famous to just complain about it, just posit that it's endemic.
1: Can we also just say, so what, if people want to buy a lobster? Like, the food stamp is not like... It's not like a... a, 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 a it's not like a... a, a you don't get like incremental pieces of food with your food stamps. There's a certain <laughs> amount of money. It's not like you get X number of meals. And so yeah. you're gaming the system by getting I lobster. Like if you get lobster because it's your kid's birthday or something and that's what they want to have on their freaking birthday, that <laughs> means you have less money in your account for the ne- for the rest of the week and you're going to have to save on it. I mean, it, it's, it's for, for programs that are supposedly, for, for, for conservatives who are supposedly caring about individual liberty, that kind of food stamp demonization, I just find I really think, hard to swallow. I, okay,
2: I think that, there's a couple ways of looking at it. I think that probably the critics of this suggest, Oh, the reason that the average food stamp holder can go out and buy lobster with their food stamps. And I imagine they think they do it week to week is that they don't really need food stamps. They have enough money to buy groceries and they're just using food stamps to buy that one odd lobster. Hmm. I, I tend to think like you, it's, they They have a they're blowing out their food budget that's on them right. uh uh but but what's interesting about that is that okay, so the average person is working an angle to get that one nice plump bonus thing every x number of days and I think about all the all the rich industries who subsidize. It's like oh, right. I, I did mean, once yeah. interview a woman <laughs> everyone, everyone gets a free lobster now and then from federal the government. It's
3: crazy. I interviewed a woman <laughs> who did use food stamps to buy Alaskan King crab legs. That's like the, the, the farm, totemic thing that's in every anti food stamp at the supermarket story. It was Farm the, subsidies themselves. No, let me it was are like a lobster. She for bought a lot of people. She bought the crab legs because it was for Christmas because it was the only thing right. her daughter asked for because her husband was a cook and knew how to make good food. It was for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, pe- people who resent this will not be happy until the Supplemental Nutrition As- Assistance Program has changed from SNAP into the beans and rice program, or BARP.
2: Right. They want to see. They want to see at the grocery store people with food stamps buying shitty food, rice and beans, stuff that sucks. Because there's a lot of people who think that well, one important component, if you're on any kind of supplemental program from the government, any kind of government subsidy, is there has to be a stigma, and you have to be sort of ashamed. And again, I think about all the big industries that. Never get shamed. And I also think about the fact the same people who talk about shame as a motivating force to get the the poor out of poverty, we shame them for their dumb statements all the time. Does it work? Is it working? Do you guys feel the
3: shame? Because I've been really shaming your ass, and you haven't changed one fucking bit. The flip side of this, though, which is a little confounding, is at, at the hearing on food stamps that happened Wednesday, there was a huge crowd of people waiting in the lobby before they opened the doors. And they were all food industry lobbyists. Of course. And I was talking to them Do like... Do they
2: actually have homeless people stand in line for them? This wasn't... They no, showed up? they
3: didn't at this hearing. Because that's that is another great Washington, D.C. tradition. But they were... Uh, it was like the beverage industry and no one has said what republicans will do but they sort of know from what has been discussed in the past that what if it's something like banning people from buying soda with food stamps mm-hmm. do you know what the str- and they're really on guard so but it, industry reaps the, the 78 billion dollars in benefits that go out you know go to big companies ultimately do you know
2: well, what the strongest lobby in washington is it's the lack of self awareness lobby.
3: <laughs> They're so fucking powerful.
1: Well, wait, but let's see here, because there are. I mean, we, I've been, I've been dumping on uh, you know conservative food stamp shamers here, but there are people, there are conservatives who I think make good faith arguments about about improving the, the program. Um, you know, I absolutely. I, I, I was talking Tim, about
2: a weird segment of yeah, but but like
1: but like Tim, Car- but you that the, the dominant conservative voices, I think, are are the, the food stamp shamers. But but you know, like Tim Carney at the Examiner said, you know, may, maybe it's just better. You know, if, if if people are making such a big fuss about lobster and stuff every now and then, maybe it's just better if we just give people money. That is, that is that is why
3: that yeah. the public policy expert whose name is Douglas Besharov yesterday said we must recognize that this is not an anti-hunger program anymore. It's an income maintenance program. Mm -hmm. Uh, So perhaps you would actually just give people money and take away this whole EBT card situation. Uh, Maybe that's something you could do. And he, he thought we should what he said was we should actually try to nudge more people who receive these benefits into the workforce. Although there did seem to be a consensus between him and Bob Greenstein that no one knows how to do that. No one knows how to increase workforce participation, short of just taking all the benefits away, Mm. which which neither of them thought was the solution.
2: I would put a guy like Tim Carney at the top of this discussion if I had the opportunity to, because there's no one else who understands what I've been talking about. Like, he does.
1: Uh, well, Tim's, Tim's a smart guy, and, uh, he, and he actually he, – he, he does, like, sincerely care about poor people. I think a lot of his ideas are, are misguided and confused, but he does care. He's not, like, out there trying to it, – it's not like – he's not making makers and takers arguments like exactly. Paul Ryan in 2010. Like, look at all these mooters. Well, he also understands
2: – he also understands what I'm talking about, about powerful lobbies, powerful industries yep. coming in, schlupping off their, their yeah. share of the cream. He understands that. <clears throat> he gets that. Uh, so where do you see this heading?
3: It's uh Are we gonna see the flashcards? You know what's kind of a a, a weird thing is that Conway and the agriculture committee are moving so slow that I don't think this year there will be anything on food stamps. However, there is a separate budget process. You know, in response to the president submitting his budget to Congress. Right. The budget committee will create a budget and they could instruct the separate the twelve separate authorizing committees with, with jurisdictions over different parts of the federal government to To have, uh, they're called reconciliation directives, and they could tell that committee, authorize this amount of spending for next year, and they could require the Agriculture Committee to find savings. So it's possible that there could be cuts to food stamps from a separate track that the Agriculture Committee would have to deal with, even though Chairman Conaway has taken this uh, totally thoughtful, you know, at least ostensibly thoughtful and conscientious approach. So uh, that's something to watch for.
1: Right. Well, could be could be a could be a ruse. Another committee could just do something mean later.
3: If there's one thing our government's yeah. good at, <laughs>
2: if there's one thing our Congress is good at. It's coming up with redundant means to circumvent thoughtfulness.
1: That's true. We're really good at that.
2: OK, moving on to another hot topic this week, uh, retirement security and our pal Elizabeth Warren.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a very interesting week. Um, on, Who's on not running time. for president. Uh, so we we have not talked to her about that, but I. Just, I'll believe it
3: reason. when I see that thing that can't be seen. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, she's running.
1: <laughs> so here's what's really interesting today. Um, you know, uh, I, I think the White House is pretty eager to. Um, to have have events where they're they're seen as being on the same page as Elizabeth Warren because she's been um, because of Katie wasn't it Katie at the
2: State of the Union the woman that kept talking about who made it in Minnesota Katie I probably don't have her name right don't remember
1: that uh, but but Elizabeth Warren has been really beating the crap out of the White House on a lot of economic issues yeah. lately uh, you know there was there was a derivatives um, piece of a spending bill that uh, it was it was basically. The, the, the bill was going to reinstate subsidies for Wall Street trading and the riskiest types of derivatives, and, um, and Elizabeth Warren had fought to keep that out, and the White House said it wasn't worth fighting over. Let's just let it go.
3: Wait a minute, uh, uh, and and how did the uh, this this Wall Street subsidy come to light? I can't seem to remember. Oh, yeah, who was it? Who was it, it who, broke, who was that it? Ah. broke that story? Ah,
1: Yeah, that was actually— uh, Whoever it was the, was so clever. It yeah. was— uh, oh, you know, guys! You know what? I think I think I broke that story. Yeah,
3: uh, I,
2: right. I don't know if I mentioned that. Before. <laughs> Tell us again.
1: Tell
3: us again how you did it.
1: Anyway, <laughs> so all that said, so I, and the White House has been trying to say, you know, look, like, look, and they, they've been they, in the State of the Union. They talk about you know middle class economics. They're trying to do things that are they're sort of taking a more populist line on on economic policies. And uh, and and what they did th- this week is basically say, look. A rule that we proposed in 2010 and then scuttled immediately turns out to be a really good idea. And not only are we going to get behind it, we're going to invite Elizabeth Warren to come and, and, and say what a good, good idea it is. And the idea is really simple. Uh, you know, if, if you have a, you know, an IRA retirement type account, um, you're, currently your, your broker, your investment advisor, is not required to manage that account. In your best interests, they are actually allowed to sell you products based on their own financial situation. So if a company is saying, hey, if you can just uh, get get a whole bunch of people into this fund here, I'll give you a new car or something. They can do that and they don't even have to tell you. Um, So that that is a in in a lot of accounts are are how this works.
3: You will go looking for a financial advisor for your, uh, you know, your financials. You want to invest money and figure out where to put your money for the future. And there's all these guys out there who's like, "Yeah, I'll be your financial advisor. I'll do it for free." But the guy is actually an insurance salesman, yeah, and there's there's no requirement that they right. disclose it it's It's actually as simple as it sounds. These financial advisors to act in the financial best interest of their clients. We don't have that right which, now, which is
1: astounding. It, you know, I it, agree. And on, on I, and what is
3: so the
2: essentially figure? financial financial advisors were just allowed to screw their clients.
1: Yes, and and and, and it's, I think to be clear, a lot of financial advisors are great and do manage well, accounts. Well, you can you and, and can hire
3: interest. a financial
2: not advisor. not all financial
1: advisors.
3: You can hire no. one who you pay, uh, in hopes that that means you're not you know someone's working for free. Might be more aggressive in steering you into his or firm. just
1: working for very little, and yeah. and this is I mean, but we we know that I mean the White House just did a, a very substantive study about this, um, very rigorous, where it, it said you know about seventeen billion dollars a year every year. Is being drained from from Americans' savings accounts, and you don't even know that it's happening because you're go, you're getting put into some stupid, crappy fund, and you know it's getting a three or four percent return. You're like, okay, I'm making money. My advisor made a good pick. Right. If you don't know that the stock market is doing five or six percent that year or seven or eight percent, you don't know what a dog you've been pushed into, uh, and and it looks like you're, you you can see the numbers getting bigger, and you're like, okay, I guess it's okay.
2: So President Obama with Elizabeth Warren want to uh, enforce this rule that would force financial advisors to put as a priority the
3: fiduciary duty they have to the people that are not. How how come they can just up and do that? Why? Why doesn't this have to go through Congress?
1: Well, the Department of Labor has had the regulatory authority over this um, through through uh, through congressional legislation for decades, actually. So they, they, Congress gave them the power to define the types of fiduciary duties that are necessary for different in, investment advisors. Um, and and in 2010, the Department of Labor was like, "Hey, this is really silly." You know, for pension funds, if, if you if you were you know, fortunate enough to be in a, a big pension uh, account, almost nobody these days is anymore those pension advisors have to act in the in the best interests of their clients why don't uh, individual uh, you know retirement account managers have to do the same thing and as soon as they put forward that rule in 2010 the financial industry just went bonkers. Uh, I mean, they they lobbied like crazy to shut it down, and they even I, I, one of the things that's most astounding to me about this is Arthur. You were talking there about about the, the sort of the really scuzzy guys who were like offering free services and stuff while while getting you know essentially kickbacks. No, but and, hey, and you
3: you got to buy life insurance.
1: So a lot of Democrats came out and said you know these these types of you know, th- this rule could be a problem because it will limit access to financial advice for low income people and particularly people of color record
2: um, scratch but haven't we already
1: established that financial advice was shitty? That's exactly the problem. Is that those accounts look like they're inexpensive to people, but they're actually not. They're actually very expensive and this this rule if it's crafted correctly would just ban people from getting ripped off. And so the 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 Democrats who were coming out I mean it, I mean dozens of House Democrats came out in opposition to this. There were 10 Senate Democrats, three of whom interestingly are no longer in the Senate because they lost their elections. Uh, the, you know, they they also they, they were very worried that there was going to be some sort of you know, they, they claimed to be worried that you know all of a sudden all of these poor people were not going to get access to crappy financial advice and be ripped off anymore. That's what's amazing yeah, why'd to me. Why would you take
3: away poor people's freedom? Yeah. So
1: <laughs> exactly. what's
2: amazing to me is, is when I think about the one act play version of this it's Obama and Warren saying we need to have a rule that requires financial advisors to give good advice to people, and these Democrats are saying, but wait, that could ruin the whole bad advice industry. <laughs>
3: right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and seen. <laughs> and yeah. seen. Everyone
2: dies alone. And let, let's <laughs> be
1: clear, what, what's the reason I'm focusing on Democrats here is because whenever there's something that would uh, you know, protect consumers at the expense of Wall Street profits, you can expect Republicans to come out against it. I mean, that's happened with Dodd-Frank. It happened with you know, the creation of the new Consumer Protection Yeah, the, tr- tr- the Protection true Bureau. choke
3: point is conservative Democrats.
1: And, and that is real. and what was remarkable about this is they got very progressive Democrats to sign letters on this stuff. I mean, Karen Bass, uh, Barbara Lee. I mean, some of some of the most liberal members of of Congress were signing this. I think if if you you know talk to their offices and their offices wouldn't actually talk to me. My suspicion is. You know, they had no idea what they were signing. This happens sometimes. People just get on a letter. They know a lobbyist or whatever, and it's, yeah, you know, they, whatever. That's all my why I don't sign it.
2: petitions on the street because I don't want to find out three years from now that like
1: <laughs> you're a truther.
2: I'm a, <laughs> I'm a 9/11 truther or something.
1: But it's tough, you know. Members of Congress, <laughs> what? I thought it,
2: I thought it was funding football uniforms for low income schools. No. Sorry, you are now a 9/11 truther. Congratulations! Well,
1: and this is why staff is important, right? Welcome because, to the Infowars. You know, members of members of Congress typically have staffers who are experts in this area. They're they're not easily hoodwinked. Um, so I you know I don't I don't really know why all of these ostensibly progressive members of Congress were on board with this. They are not talking about it at all right now. However, um, <laughs> they definitely do not want to be seen as being against the rule that both Obama and Elizabeth Warren are into, because um, that, that that's a clear signal. Like you know, in Congress. This is clear on a lot of different policy issues, but particularly on financial stuff, a lot of people just don't have a freaking clue what is going on with this stuff. And they just basically trust other lawmakers who they know know about this stuff and take their cues from them. And so when you see Elizabeth Warren saying this is actually a good idea, I think most of those Democrats are like, ah, God, I wish I hadn't signed that letter. I Um Can't they just write another letter that said, Hey, I was stupid? No take backs, Jason. But that's the thing. That's that's what's weird. What people should say in that that situation when they get called out in stories is, uh yeah, you know, I signed a letter and I, you know, I should've should have read it more carefully. This is a great rule and I support it. And then and then stories like the one I wrote this week where I'm just shaming them are not as interesting. Um so anyway this this is a really big deal because you know it's a it's a huge shift not just for those democrats who who are flip who are flipping it's a huge shift for the administration which scuttled this rule in 2010 right. 2010 it means they they've had 4 years to put this thing out and and now they're saying that they will actually they will actually pursue it uh, interestingly that cromibus bill that we were talking about earlier there was a provision that Republicans had been pushing that would have banned the Department of Labor from doing this. So the Republicans actually did try to, to sort of strangle this in the cradle back in uh, back in December. But Nancy Pelosi was able to, to strip that out. Um, so that's you know th- th- that at the time when that happened, I think a lot of people, including myself, were like, well, I'm glad Nancy Pelosi was able to get rid of that. But, you know, the administration hasn't done anything for four years. So who cares? Um, and I was totally wrong because now it's happening and it's it's probably probably very good. It's this is the biggest thing Obama has done on financial reform since Dodd-Frank. It's basically the only thing he's done. But it's, the biggest. But it, it's a pretty big deal. You're talking about 17 billion dollars a year for people. I mean, that's a lot of money.
2: Like the first scarf I knit will be the biggest scarf I knit.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other problem here is that remember, most people don't even have a 401k much less an IRA. Uh, I think only 33% of of people have an individual uh, of households have an individual retirement account, which is terrifying. Uh it's why social security is such a big Anti-poverty program. Uh, most people just don't have any money in the bank uh, for when they, uh, when, when they when they retire. But this is this is one way to 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 make for, for at least people who are able to set aside money. You know, at least they're not getting ripped off.
2: Can I ask you one last question on this? Mm-hmm. The existence of these bad financial planners, people screwing their clients. What? Where was Adam Smith's invisible hand? I thought he was supposed to carry
1: us. You know, the invisible hand thing is, uh, I think, widely misunderstood. When he talks about the invisible hand in um, The Wealth of Nations, he's actually talking about the value of investing locally in Scotland and saying that when when you invest locally, you get better results. The invisible hand of the market will, will lead people to want to invest locally and not in other crazy places because they'll get to live in the community where their investment happens. So they'll get to enjoy the benefits of whatever, the new business that started. Um, you know, I, I, are you, are
3: you saying historical things don't always map onto the present?
1: Yeah. I hate that. That, wow. that, that I don't want to. I don't want to hear that. That that the whole invisible hand thing became a big deal in the 20th century with with economics textbooks. Uh, actually, so that that was you know the, the, I, I'm, I'm oversimplifying here, but but that 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 idea of the invisible hand. I don't think Adam Smith. I think he was he's a smarter guy than um, current right wing economists would have you believe. It's oh.
2: okay for you to oversimplify. I was asking a goofy Socratic question for kicks. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he
1: gave you a glove slap.
3: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: So one last thing, I guess we gotta talk about 2016
3: and
1: 2015. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's, it, but it's 2015. Why are we talking about 2016?
3: No, it's not your calendar is incorrect. Yeah, it's yep. f- error. not the current year. <laughs> no, no, no. Guys,
2: guys, listen. Listen. The invisible primary is happening, and some of it is somewhat
3: important. Scott Walker's whooping butt.
2: He has been to the extent that there really? is To the extent that there is an amount of butt to be whooped Scott Walker has whooped the lion's share of the available butt maybe you understand like that is the way to look at it a lot of people are saying oh he's the front runner the race hasn't started it's like that's like saying you know there's a preseason favorite (laughs)
1: Sports meta two different sports metaphors. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Mixing our sports metaphors. It's funny, we also called a race. Why is that the metaphor for for a political contest? But regardless, oh, wait, yeah, this is a he little He just con- whooped the
2: what? But last week, I, butt.
1: but last week, guys, everybody was telling me that Jeb Bush was the guy. Has it all yeah, changed in a that, week?
2: Here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing Here, about Scott Walker
3: is the Bush Slayer. <laughs>
1: He That's is so really far, all he is. He the is so far trimmer. the Bush
2: layer. So there's a couple things that that, that that Scott Walker has has worked to his most recent advantage. Uh, the the first thing that he did was he managed that whole evolution flap. Remember, we went to England, and he had a gaff. He punted. It was a gaff. He punted on evolution, and Sports. he got he got a lot of people talking about it, and got into the gaff cycle. And this worked to his advantage wonderfully. Because his brand, Scott Walker's brand, is I have faced the liberals and I have won and they want to tear me down and they'll go to an extreme to do it, even if it's goofy shit. So his
3: gaffe was, in fact, a flea flicker that tricked the secondary into <laughs> rushing. Uh... And scored a sports ball
2: goal.
1: <laughs>
3: yes.
2: He
1: got a three point. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's good. People need to remember that people need to remember that uh, coming out of 2012, the Republican Party was beaten down and abused for, and afraid, and they wrote that thing called, that became colloquially known as the RNC autopsy. Oh, that is just a, they, a liberal media thing. Of course, of course. It's the actually the Growth and Opportunity Project. Uh-huh. And the DNC actually just published their own autopsy, well, their preview to a forthcoming autopsy that, frankly, is not yet as rich and nutritive and substantive as the RNC's own. So they need to work on that because they have problems of their own. But... What one of the things that you read the growth and opportunity project it, it's a lot of we learned lesson we humbly submit to these to these ideas we need to change we
3: must support and, the middle class And <laughs> here's the thing
2: most Republicans are kind of somewhere in run the ball th- Most Republicans are sort of betwixt and between to what Jump extent shot. do we really need to change Scott Walker is the one guy who's like fuck change I'm perfect I'm perfect <laughs> seriously he's, he beat down he beat down a recall election he's taken he's taken all sorts of fire and all he's done is impress donors and work the angle and he's become the conservative folk hero in this election i mean he's the is one from guy very liberal doesn't, state come on the one guy who he, he is but he's the one guy who doesn't have to pretend like he took two thousand twelve seriously and is like well, we gotta really face facts and change. Blah blah blah. Scott Walker's the boldest love can. Oh, so he's
1: untainted by
3: twenty twelve. But so is Jeb Bush. <laughs>
2: well, okay. Now here's here's the key difference between. What's he-
1: that last name that Jeb Bush has again? I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah, exactly. Politics is that exactly bush? where does that why do i why is that familiar the
2: walk there's a you know walkers in the other bush's name it's the saying mm-hmm. two in the bush is
3: worth one in the hand
2: also yes. jeb walker's walking around Sorry, did i just say jeb
1: walker jeb Walker's it just all does around.
2: it all does blur together marijuana was just legalized guys i'm not gonna get everything right okay liberal because, ignorance because i love the marijuana no uh, jeb bush comes to this uh with a few deficits He's on what's widely perceived by the Republican base as the wrong side of the immigration battle. He's on the wrong side, based upon what the GOP base believes, of the Common Core battle. Those are two things that he kind of owns. He's got to walk the walk with. Scott Walker, he doesn't have to walk the walk with that shit. But Jeb Bush is on the right side of all the money. He is. And that yeah. that's that's the advantage he has. But consider this. Earlier this week we we saw a public policy polling release a poll that put Scott Walker at the top of the the polls it was it was it was Walker Carson then Jeb
3: sounds like a troll poll. How, how close uh, they're
2: we're all? Okay, look, they're all to a certain extent troll polls if we allow them to be. Uh. And if we allow that, if we look at that poll and say, "Damn, okay, Scott Walker winner won the week. He's the front runner." Then we're we're screwing ourselves. That's what we just said. No, but here's it, I disagree. We we t- we talked about. I've talked about this a bunch. Early polls are not. They do not correspond to late results. They're way off the mark. If we just look at those top-line things, if we dig down deeper is where we find the useful stuff. And here's the useful stuff. If you look at, in Iowa, approval, disapproval, Scott Walker is beloved in Iowa. I think he has a 40% difference between approval and disapproval. Jeb Bush, people are much more on the fence. He's only – one point between approval and disapproval. And that's where that stuff starts to matter because that's where they're all going to have their first big contest and set the tone for the race. And Walker right now walks into it feeling beloved. He walks into it feeling beloved because of things like that evolution flap. Jeb Bush still not, I'm not going to say Jeb Bush took on water, but, He's still got to paint the hole a little bit, scrape the barnacles off.
3: Uh, no, no, no. Could I please have a sports metaphor? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, he, uh, needs to, he, needs, he needs a rebuilding season. Focus on he needs, defense. He needs to focus on defense. <laughs> all right, I, so I'll grant you Scott Walker's got the intangibles, but I really think it's going to come down to who wants this more.
1: 50-50 <laughs> balls.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Dick
2: Vitale. Who's willing to give it 110%? <laughs> uh,
1: I love Dick Vitale. No one is more excited about college basketball than he is, and I don't care if he's annoying <laughs> to other people. Uh, all of that said um what 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 but what about the the views of establishment beltway you know uh, parliamentarians i mean it, it, surely it has to matter you know maybe maybe it doesn't matter to people in in iowa maybe maybe people in iowa who don't believe in evolution get really psyched when when scott walker says something dumb about evolution or says something dumb about whether he not knowing whether obama is a christian or not but surely there are donors and elites who are like ah this guy's talk is not going to play well in I f- a, in a, I feel a like, presidential election
2: i feel like it's still kind of early and one of the things that i was skeptical about was jeb bush raising money and raising money in this kind of old school way that his brother did with the rangers and the, mm-hmm. the with the wizards yeah. i forget i forget i forget all the levels of i don't think wizards was one of them no. <laughs> I'm pretty Grand sure Grand Dragon not one of them yeah. Khaleesi's. um <laughs> he was raising money in this very old school way but people have been impressed by his ability to go out and get money from grandees uh, you know establishment elite republican grandees and I think that there's maybe something to be said about that but do you really think that like a big bush donor is like oh what well, does it for me is that uh I think Bush has articulated a better position on darwinism
1: I really don't think that plays into it. <laughs> but don't you it. get, don't you, I mean, if I if were a Republican, like, old donor guy, I would be really annoyed if, if the standard bearer for my party was going around making an ass out of himself. Yeah, no, you uh, wouldn't.
2: Sure Wait, would. on stuff like evolution? Totally. The standard bearers have been clowning themselves on science for decades and no one cares. this
1: is why I'm not a Republican, uh... But it's not like the liberal media <laughs> understands
3: evolution anyway.
1: It's like uh, you, first you start out as a tadpole, right, <laughs> and then you're a monkey, and then you're born.
3: Yeah, define yeah. mitochondria, Zach. I've never seen a monkey turn into a human being, so that theory is bunk.
1: Mitochondria used to be a life form, right? Like an independent, like it, type of life uh, form. Important step
3: in yeah. evolution. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. I- College credit. This is embarrassing. You know who didn't, Scott Walker? Because <laughs> school is for suckers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, and, yeah, also, he wants to cut house, That was the other I, thing he won on He's cutting the budget for the Wisconsin uh, College system by like 13% That's, And I
2: still don't know If you're gonna lay a glove on Scott Walker Over the fact he didn't graduate from college it, I don't
3: Clearly doesn't I don't think it, it matters work. at all yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He I, wins again he is
1: the Bush
2: Slayer. Yeah,
1: see, this he's, is. I mean, he's what he, he would look at me like. Look, you went to college. Are you the freaking governor of any state? No. Okay, shut up. And that yeah. would be a good comeback. It would. Be I would a good lose.
3: Comeback. Governor yeah. is a pretty strong resume item. <laughs>
1: it's better yeah, than college.
3: To be honest, I'm still
2: looking. I'm still looking for the guy who's going to be the Walker Slayer. In this uh, well, it's going to be jeb bush <laughs> are you are you calling the, are you going to call the primary this early?
1: This means Chris Christie is like in trouble, right I mean that, this yeah, what's this really week, right?
2: yeah Chris Christie is really taken on water he's you know he's been had gotten the lion's share of the trouble at home stories and he's had trouble on the stump too. He uh, had opportunities to take home some big donors, but they've all sort of migrated. and I don't think village. we've mm-hmm.
3: gotten to the end of the uh the oppo file, because remember when Mitt Romney was talking, they didn't want him.
2: Right. This was stuff I believe that was reported in the game change, the game changing book. Yeah. And I I don't double daily Debbie Downer. I
3: I may be mistaken, but I, I read that, uh, there was more, there were other things that the Romney campaign was unhappy about.
2: Right. There was stuff, there was stuff in Christie's, you know, back pages, that made the Romney team very skittish. Uh, bear in mind that Mitt Romney, if you, if you add chocolate to milk, he's like, "Whoa, <laughs> 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 is that legal? What you just did there? Yeah, Mitt, taste it, taste it. No, tastes too good, tastes too delicious. <laughs> but but I do think, but, but we don't know what that stuff is, and 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 that stuff was always kind of like in the back of my mind. Well, there's more to be told. There's more. To the
3: but we've had story. we've had the mega hit piece from the New York Times about how he just like <laughs> loves fancy planes. Yeah, and hanging out with celebrities—that's that was damaging. Well, I don't think he's recovered.
1: Yeah, and his pension—is his pension cuts? I mean, refusing to make contributions to the state pension fund, uh, mm-hmm. being ruled illegal by a judge—is I think that that hurts. I mean, it, how are you going to? You can just see the social. Oh, security I, I debate. don't know, uh, public sector work.
2: What's kind of funny
1: to me is—is is are you going to manage the social, How are you going to fix social security if you can't even all the stuff legally I don't, running I your don't own pension
2: got, <laughs> All run, the stuff that made Run to the ground—it sounds great. <laughs> all the stuff that made uh, Chris Christie, for a moment, maybe too early, uh, such a cause celeb. The fact that he would yell at teachers. The fact that he uh, was so real, real and so gritty. It's funny. Walker's walked away with all that stuff. Okay, so to recap. Mm-hmm. Walker's uh, become the guy. And Christie now kind of looks like the pale imitation of Walker. So Walker, One thing I will say for Christie, though, yeah, is that one thing that has been talked about is what a decent job he's done running the Republican Governors Association. The irony has been, to me, I I see Christie as a guy who's basically proven that he's better at being the guy behind the guy than the guy in front. And it's funny to think about how Christie managing the RGA so well may actually help put a rival Walker ahead of him for the White House job.
3: To recap, Scott Walker survived after the liberal media tried to rock his boat Chris Christie is taking on water, and Jeb Bush is, boat is painting his boat. Yes, stripping the barnacles, He's stripping off. the barnacles yeah. off the hull. Weather stripping. <laughs> All right, I, stripping. I think that I think that covers it.
2: Thanks, thanks for being here. Uh, uh, and Thanks for listening. I was here with Arthur Delaney, senior, Hi. senior, uh, uh, senior marijuana poverty reporter, and uh, Zach Carter, senior uh, synthesizer programmer. Um,
1: yes, that's my new title.
2: Yeah, and uh, Ancient Regime Exploiter. Mm. And I'm Jason Lincolns, the guy who Master me. of puppets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's going on my card right now. Thanks, guys. So that's what happened this week. This podcast was produced and edited by Ibrahim Balki with technical direction from Brad Shannon and assistance from Christine Canetta and Adriana Usero. I'm Jason Lincolns. This week we were joined by HuffPost senior politics reporters Zach Carter and Arthur Delaney. So That Happened is available on iTunes. Check us out in the iTunes store and look for The Huffington Post's whole family of podcasts. Subscribe and tell your friends. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, send an email to So That Happened at huffingtonpost.com. As always, thanks so much for listening, and we miss you already.
0: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all.